Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Blue View podcast. Thank you so much for the support on the last episode. It was a very, very good episode with George Benson. Um, yeah, we thoroughly enjoyed recording that, and uh, yeah, it was received pretty well. So thank you very much for that. Now, today we've got a very, very big guest. We have someone from The Athletic, someone you will probably follow on Twitter, as, as many of us do. It's Liam Twomey. I hope you have pronounced that. Is it Twomey? Twomey? Sorry. <laughs> Twomey. Twomey. Liam Twomey from The Athletic. Just, just... If in doubt, yeah. just think Chuck, Chuckle Brothers to me to you. Yeah, all right. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Liam, would you like to say a quick hello to our listeners? Hello, yeah. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on um, as well. So, yeah, basically, guys, what we're going to be talking about today, um, I, I have hinted it over on my Twitter as well. We're going to be talking about some transfers, um, possibilities, and um, also, if we get time in the end, Liam's thoughts on Frank Lampard and how he's doing so far this season. Um, but that will depend on how the sort of minutes go on this episode. So let's dive straight into it then anyway. So, Liam, the first thing we want to get your your thoughts on really is the Morecambe game and some youth players that could potentially feature. So I've got down here Liveramento, Andrian, and then for the goalkeeper, Czech, Keba and Caballero, because obviously I, I don't think Mendy will start in that game. So, um, yeah, what do you think is like the possibility for each of those players to, to feature, do you think? Yeah, so uh, Lee Romento is an interesting one, isn't he? Because he's been he's been playing really, really well at youth level, and, and certainly catching my eye whenever I've watched him. Um, the issue, I think, is that Lampard has Reece James and Cesaris Pilaqueta, and he has to try and find enough minutes to keep both of them happy. He wants to give time for Reece James to to grow into this team, and you know, we all think he's going to be the right back for the next few years, but as Pilaqueta still needs to play as well. So um, I'd say with him, with Livramento, if if he does play, it will probably be the case of coming off the bench uh, to replace whichever one of those two starts. It would probably be Aspilicueta that starts those game, that game, but um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Livramento is, is at the top of the queue of, or near the top of the queue of those young guys from the under-18s that... Um, that could get a debut. Um, and then Tino Andrian was another one you mentioned, wasn't he? Yes, yeah, Tino Andrian, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's, I think he's probably the outstanding talent in that team at the moment. Uh, and he's, he looks ready to play men's football, really, on a, on a fairly consistent basis. And I wrote a piece a couple of weeks ago sort of based on conversations I've had with people around him um, about how he's feeling about the situation. He, he might go on loan in January, so... Um, it, it depends. It, it depends where things lie with that when the Morecambe game rolls around. But as long as he is there, um, I fully expect him to feature in that game, just as he did against Grimsby last year. Because I know for a fact that Lampard likes him. Um, and then the goalkeeper situation. The, if Lampard wants to put the cat amongst the pigeons politically, he'll play Czech, won't he? Because um, <laughs> that would be brilliant. I really want that. <laughs> yeah, I think that would cause a lot of problems, though. That's that's the only thing. Um, yeah. I think that the reason why the other goalkeepers have accepted Czech training with them regularly is because they don't view him as a threat to actually play. And Chelsea have been at great pains to say that he is just emergency cover. So if Lampard suddenly put him up to second choice, it might be a, a bit of an issue. Um, Again, I think a lot of it depends on where the situation is with Kepa, because I, I, I expect, um, I don't know if there have been too many conversations on this front yet, but I would expect all parties to explore possible loan opportunities for him in January, because the current situation is just not 
good for him at all and his value. Um, so if if we're some way down the road towards him going out on loan, then he might not play in that game, and it would probably be Willie Caballero. But if Kepper is still around and he needs some minutes, then we we might see um, Lampard give him a chance in that game. Yeah, that's fair enough. Very interesting, obviously, um, of what Lampard's going to be doing in that that Morecambe game. Obviously, hopefully, we'll see a lot of the younger players. So, um, yeah, I think our fans um, can be excited for that. I'm excited. I'm sure Dubois is as well. So, um, yeah, hopefully, we get a nice win there. So, anyway, we're going to move on to the main portion of this episode, and what we're going to cover is basically sort of the next two transfer windows and what Liam thinks might happen in in different positions with different players. So, um, Liam, we're going to start off with sort of sort of centre-back, I think, is something that we actually discussed with Fabrizio Romano before. Um, and he said he expects us to go for like a, a, a centre-back next summer, not in January. But, um, you know, what, what do you think about sort of the centre-back um, position? Because obviously we've got Thiago Silva and I think a lot of our fans are expecting him to extend. So do you, what do you think the plan will be next summer? Because obviously we've got Zuma. So, I mean, it's very, very interesting. Obviously, you could look at the outgoings as well, you know, maybe potentially one of Rudiger, Christensen and Tamori or, or maybe more. So what what do you think will, will happen next summer in, in terms of centre-back? Yeah, I mean, things would be so much simpler if Thiago Silva was 26 and not 36, wouldn't it? Um, and uh, he still looks 26, to be fair. He, he hasn't aged a day in the last decade. But um, I expect him to stick around for another year if he continues to perform at the level he's been performing at so far and he continues to be you know reasonably fit and healthy I think Lampard will want to keep him around for his experience as much as anything because we've all seen the massive impact he's had not just on the the defensive record but on the confidence of the people around him in that structure so um, yeah I, I expect Thiago Silva to be part of this team probably next year as well as this year the way it's been reported is a bit funny because the last week or two, there were people saying, oh, Chelsea are in talks about extending his contract. Well, the initial agreement was a one plus one. There's an option for a second year that's always been there, as Lampard said in his press conference. And so if there are conversations, it's only conversation about whether or not they activate that option. And I'd say the odds on that look pretty good at the moment. Um, but long term, yeah, a, a successor to Thiago Silva, a new defensive leader, is the number one priority for this team. I think they managed to address most of the uh, most pressing issues in that in a spectacular transfer window that we've just gone through. But centre back is the is, is the big hole, and and if you talk to Fabrizio, he might have a, a better idea of specific targets than than I do because that's his specialism. He's one of the best at that. Um, but I'm sure Chelsea will be looking and looking hard for a defender who is not just an elite talent, but has that kind of leadership personality. And those guys don't grow on trees. Um, so that's part of the reason why they want Declan Rice, why they were originally looking at him for centre-back, was for his personality as much as anything. I think they're looking at him more as a midfielder now, but um, that that character element is going to be really important. Because while Zuma has been playing well, and we've seen flashes from Andreas Christensen and Antonio Rudiger in more recent weeks that, that they're getting better as well. I wouldn't. I don't think you'd call any of those sort of alpha personalities that really organise everyone around and make everyone else better. They're, they're more. They're better as kind of the second banana in a in a centre back partnership. 
Yeah, that's fair enough. I think obviously there's so many things that could happen about about the centre back position, and um, yeah, I appreciate your answer there. Um, one thing you did mention, one player you mentioned was Declan Rice. Um, now, see, I'm pretty confused actually why Chelsea are actually like so keen on Declan Rice because although he's a fantastic player, I'm thinking obviously you're saying he's more looked at more as a midfield option, but obviously Kante now has been playing very very good at DM and. and Obviously, our backup options really. I mean, Gilmore can play can play DM, and obviously, maybe there's a conversation to be had about Ampadu as well um, for for centre back and DM. And I know this is something that Dubois, you know, thinks about as well. We both think that um, although Declan Rice is very very good, I think we both think that Ampadu can can sort of cover centre back and DM to a very very high level. But it just doesn't seem like Chelsea are going to give him that chance, does it? Or, or, or is it different, you know? Because everything I'm hearing and, and what I'm being told by people such as yourself and, and Fabrizio and other people is that Rice is obviously still a long-term target. So, it, I don't know. It, where, where does he fit, do you think, in, in, our, in our team? Because obviously, if we sign Rice, then if you're thinking about it, would we really sign such a player for such a high amount just to be covering DM? Because you wouldn't really put... Kante on the bench, would you? You know, it's, it's very, very confusing. What are your thoughts about about Rice? Yeah, I mean, I I really like Rice whenever I've watched him play. I think he's um, I think he's really grown in stature at West Ham, and his performances have been really, really consistent. And you can see the fact that he's getting picked regularly for England, despite the fact that he's in a non-elite team at the moment, um, says a lot about the way he's performing. The sense we've always got from from Chelsea is that Lampard is driving the interest in Rice, just as he, he was driving the interest in Chilwell. And I think he he likes him primarily. Well, I mean, he rates him as a player, obviously, but he write, he rates him just as much for his personality and his leadership qualities. And the fact that Rice is already regularly captaining a Premier League team. Um, at the age of what is he 21 22 is really really impressive and i think that that hits with with lampard as well and the, the point you raised with ampadu is a fair one um, i mean in terms of types of player they are quite similar ampadu's not at the level rice is yet though um and and i, I say that I, I like ampadu as a player i think he's got an awful lot of potential uh, but his his progress has stalled over the last 18 months and not really through any fault of his own. He didn't play enough at RB Leipzig. It was a bad loan uh, for all parties, really. And so this year, for him, I think he's, he's just getting getting that momentum back in his career before, before he can even think about being um, a solid first-team option for Chelsea. I think he, need, he needs to play regularly at Premier League level and, and make the kind of obvious leap that Rice has made at West Ham before... Um, Chelsea consider that now of course if Chelsea do go out and get Rice then even if Ampadu does make progress the, the timing might just work against him in terms of making a long-term career at Chelsea um, but there's no doubt that Lampard really does want him when you're thinking about Kante um, the sense we've we've got from Lampard is that he's kind of been back back and forth on this in terms of Lampard as, uh, in terms of Kante as the deepest line midfielder we saw in the restart that he moved him to the base and dropped Jorginho um, and, and began to favour that as a way to balance this team. When, it, when we started the new season, he was back to playing Kante as number eight and, and he has 
talked publicly on several occasions about thinking that Kante is better when he's not as constricted at the base of midfield. Um, but now he's gone back to it and it's working well. This is the most consistent football that Chelsea have played in a long time and, and Kante has been key to that, shielding that defence. So it's possible that, that Lampard's opinion on this could change uh, and could change a couple more times as the season goes on because Kante is a unique player and he can do many things to a very high level. Um, but even if Kante's immediate future is at the base of midfield, I don't think that precludes Lampard's interest in Rice purely because Kante's older now. You know, he's, he's, not a, he's not someone you're looking at probably for the next four or five years in that role. It's maybe the next one or two, maybe three at most. Um, so that Rice remains a long-term target. And as I said, that's just as much because of his personality as his talent. Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. Um, yeah, I think what you mentioned there about obviously Rice being captain is something that Dubois mentioned, didn't you? About um, something that you really liked, and don't you, Dubois? About Rice is is the fact that he's a he's a, a ready-made captain really already at West Ham. He's he's done really well, and and sort of to be fair to him, every time Rice has played, you know, over the last sort of year, he's just seemed to have got better, and his performances are, are much more consistent now than before. I think so. Yeah, um, Dubois, what do you think about obviously? Rice and, and in general the captain role do you think that he could be suitable for that for Chelsea yeah definitely I think um, especially what Liam alluded to as well I think it's very relevant because with Kante you've got someone who you know he's shown recently he's had his injuries although I think he's getting back to his best now yeah it's true but he won't be here you know considerably as long as we expect him to even though he's got such durability etc but it might be one where we see Thiago Silva being managed with game time if Rice was to join I think Rice would know coming to a big club like Chelsea is not going to start every single week. And with Kante getting older and maybe having to manage his injury problems stay reoccur, it might work for Rice. And, you know, with his versatility playing centre-back and DM, and especially his captaincy and his like, captaincy material, I think, you know, he's shown at West Ham. I think it could work for Chelsea. And having someone who's such a big sort of fan of the club like Rice, um, I think it bodes well, really. Um, and it could work. And I mean, again... With Ampadu, it's another story because that would have an effect on Ampadu. Um, but I think that's one we have to wait and see what happens. But I, I do think Rice and his captain material, and it all adds up to be a very smart signing if it's for the right price. I think personally, guys, Rice, this Rice whole debate is one of the most intriguing debates that's going to be had over the, sort of the next year or so, or you know, in terms of the next couple of transfer windows. So. Leave your um, leave your comments down below and your opinions on on Rice and, and the future in DM position down below. Um, and always, you can feel free to message us on, on Twitter as well. Your opinions, and, and we'll get back to you. So yeah, very very interesting there. Um, so sort of to wrap up the defence, Liam. What I wanted to ask you really is another player quickly that I actually watched the other day. And I thought he played very very well. Was Malang Sar for Porto? Um, yeah, he's, he's been on loan. Obviously, we sent him out on loan as soon as we signed him. Um, the question really is is what do you think the future is for him? Because as I said there, personally, I thought he looked very, very accomplished against Manchester City, albeit he was in a three at the back. I haven't really seen him much in a four, but I feel like he looks like a decent little player, you know, we've picked up for three. What do you think? Well, you've seen him more than I have if you've watched him for for 90 minutes. Um, I haven't I haven't been able to, to get to watch him for Porto yet, but this, the impression we got of them at the time when, when Chelsea acquired Saar was that it was it was kind of a a, lo, a low cost value play really the kind that Chelsea make a lot 
with players that they subsequently send on loan. And and when they are SARS age, it, it's very much about you know getting them and, and viewing them as long term development projects and and just seeing how they how they kick on at other clubs. Um, if he does well at, at at Porto this year, then he certainly has an opportunity to to come back for pre season next year and and see see if he can impress Lampard and put himself in the conversation. Um, but I I can't really. I can't really comment too much about the intricacies of his game because I just haven't watched him. We, uh, the, the first, the first I'd really heard of him was when when Chelsea got the deal done, and and uh, I don't think he's someone that they're talking about in the first team picture at this point. But you know, has a good season at Porto, that could change. Yeah, okay, that's fair enough. It's, it's funny you mentioned, obviously, you haven't really seen much of him, obviously, or heard much of it. I was sort of in the same boat when we signed him, apart from having him on my FIFA team. I didn't really know much about him. So, um, yeah, it's, it's very interesting that, that we picked him up. And, um, yeah, hopefully um, he does at least come back for pre-season and have a chance, because I think that's only fair to him, obviously, that we've signed him. He, he gets a chance to impress Lampard. And I'm sure Lampard will give him that chance. I think Lampard's quite a fair manager. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see the sort of the long-term future for, for Saar. So, um, Liam, moving on now to, or going away from defence, moving on to more attacker, attackers. So, um, someone who who done very, very well last, um, not last night, but a couple of nights ago against Sevilla, Olivier Giroud. Very, very good performance, obviously. Dubois is his biggest fan. Um, so, yeah, this is um, very, very interesting, this answer is going to be. So, the question is, will we replace Giroud when he eventually leaves? Or do you think that we could maybe promote, um, I think his name's Armando Broja from, uh, he's gone to the test, hasn't he? He's doing doing decent um, that I've seen. So do you think that we will replace Giroud or, or promote Broja or, or someone else? Like, um, I don't think soon Sot Bell will, will be promoted, obviously, because he's still very young. But um, yeah, what do you think on the, on the striker sort of situation when Giroud does eventually leave? Yeah, Giroud's situation seems to change by the week, doesn't it? Um, it was only less than a month ago him, his agent was coming out saying he wanted to leave in January. and Now it looks more like I think Lampard will, will probably give him enough minutes to keep him satisfied. And the fact that Lampard is talking to Didier Deschamps uh, and Deschamps talking to Giroud, I, I think Giroud knows that he doesn't have to play every game for Deschamps to play him for France at the Euros next summer. And Lampard knows that if he involves him enough, he'll be able to keep him around. And we saw against Rennes and then against, against Sevilla as well, just how valuable Giroud is still at the top level. He might even be playing the, the best all-round football of his career at, at 34, which is pretty remarkable. Um, it's, I'll, I'll be very intrigued to see where what the situation is next summer when his contract finally runs out, whether... I mean, if he's playing this well, Chelsea might even look to try and start a conversation about extending him because he, he really is that valuable off the bench. Um, and I think he is very settled in London. He would have only, he would have only left London to, to join a, a really good team and, and play more than, than he was currently. Otherwise, I think lifestyle-wise, Chelsea makes a lot of sense for him and he's happy at the club. Um, as for Brozier... I've heard good things about what he's doing out on loan. I was very impressed watching him uh, in Chelsea's youth teams. I've not watched him so much since he's gone out on loan, but he's um, he's making good progress, scoring at a good rate. Um, and if you if you just look at the trajectory of previous Chelsea loanees and academy players that are now in the squad, 
they generally needed more than one loan before they're ready to to come in and compete for a first team place. I mean, Tammy had what two, um, and a very different profiles of of Championship club before he came back to Chelsea. Well, I actually had three, didn't he, at Swansea as well. So um, I think Chelsea like like their players to get a little bit more seasoning, a little bit more of a variety of experience. So it might be the case that Brozier has a good year in, in Holland this year and then next year Chelsea look to line him to a Premier League club and, um, and and see if he can get regular minutes in the Premier League and, or in the, or a high-level championship club that's chasing promotion. Maybe try and follow the, the Tammy model with him um, and then see if he's ready in two years rather than one. Because the other, the other thing to consider is whether if he were to come in, and get a similar sort of diet of minutes to, to what Giroud is getting now, would that be best for his long-term development? Or does he need to play more regularly to, to hit his own ceiling? Um, Giroud's almost in the sweet spot as far as Chelsea are concerned because he's, not gonna, he's only going to deteriorate as a player because of age. And he doesn't seem to be doing that yet. He's not going to deteriorate because of lack of game time. Um, he, he, he is what he is at this point at 34. And so... In that case, he's, he's kind of the perfect squad player for Chelsea. Yeah, it'd be very, very interesting with Giroud. Obviously, you mentioned there that he could, could possibly extend next summer if he does play really well. So, I mean, that'd be interesting, obviously. And, and Brozier, yeah, I do agree, obviously, that he may need potentially a few more loans before he could come back in. So, um, yeah, maybe a bit premature now on Brozier coming back. Um, instead of obviously if Giroud did leave, but um, yeah, it'd be very very interesting again on the on the striker front. And Liam staying on the striker front, I know. I mean, I, personally, I don't see this as realistic, but a lot of people are asking me to ask you whether Chelsea would ever be interested in signing Erling Haaland from Borussia Dortmund. I think every club would think about it. He's the best young striker in the world. Um, and, and he's scoring at a phenomenal rate. But I'm sure he'll have plenty of options. Um, he, he's managed his career perfectly to this point. You know, Dortmund was the perfect club for him to go to to, to really bolster his reputation in, in a league and in a team where he'd still get a lot of chances. And he's got that very attractive-looking release clause, uh, which I think comes into effect either next summer or the year after he's got plenty of time on his side so when he does decide to leave Dortmund I think every European club in Europe well every elite club in Europe will be lining up to make their pitch for, for Haaland and I'm sure Chelsea will think about it because they're in the business of competing for the for the best trophies um, going and, and you need top players to do that but they look like they've got pretty good options at the moment I think Lampard is a big believer in Tammy Abraham. I don't think any of us really know how good he can be yet because um, it's always a dangerous game trying to guess a player's ultimate ceiling. But he's, he's already impressed me and surprised me in some ways with the way he developed his all-round game over the last 18 months. Timo Werner is, is clearly a, a predator and he might have a level or two more to, to reach in the Premier League. So, so Chelsea don't necessarily have as urgent a need for a centre-forward as they did maybe last season. But when it comes to a player, when it comes to thinking about a player as good as Erling Haaland is, I think all of the elite clubs in Europe will be looking at him and asking themselves the question of, of whether they could 
whether they should make the move because he just is that good. The other aspect to consider is um, that Mina Raiola is his agent. And, oh, uh, yeah, I forgot about that. That could be sort well, of Chelsea, point, really. Yeah, it? Chelsea haven't always had the best of relationships with Raiola and he, he kind of, um, or at least there was a feeling at Chelsea that he kind of screwed them over on the Lukaku deal when Lukaku ended up going to Manchester United. Um, yeah. I, I don't think I don't think that means that they wouldn't do business because it is business. It's not personal. If if Raiola had the best striker in the world, which it looks mm-hmm. like he he might do, um, then that you know it, it, a deal can still be done. But uh, it, it could be a slight complicating factor. Yeah, that's fair enough. So um, I did read about obviously Raiola that Chelsea had started talks back with him. Is there any truth in that or not? Or, or are we still on you know not talking terms? Uh, I, I don't think that's the way Marina operates. Really, um, I don't think she she refuses to talk to any agent, let alone an agent with as many high profile clients as Raiola. I, I think it's it's very fair to say that Chelsea were not impressed with the way that the Lukaku Lukaku Neo can't speak with the way that the Lukaku negotiation went sideways uh, when they thought they had him from Everton and he ended up going to Manchester United that the the scars from that were uh, significant but as I said it's business it's not personal and and Marina does not take things personally it's what makes her a a very good negotiator Um, so I I think if if Raiola had a player Chelsea wanted and if he has a player Chelsea want in the future, I don't think it will stop them doing the deal. Yeah, that's fair enough. Appreciate that answer again, Liam. And finally, uh, another question we have, the final question on transfers is something about another winger, obviously, is Jaden Sancho. Um, I mean, very, very interesting one, really, because last summer I saw a lot of Chelsea fans and Manchester United fans arguing with each other. Oh, we're going to get Sancho. No, we're going to get Sancho. And in the end, no one got him. It was a bit of a, you know, he sort of stayed put. And then Chelsea, obviously, we signed Hakim Ziyech before. So it was kind of like Chelsea fans on social media seemed to sort of convince themselves. And I did at one point that, yeah, we were in for Sancho. But there was never sort of anything like major talks come of it, was there? So do you think in the future that Sancho is any more of a possibility now that maybe, obviously, there's always the possibility that Hudson Odoi and his agent, etc., could get annoyed with lack of game time, and or or another thing that I've written down here that some people have have mentioned as well is obviously Jay, um, Christian Pulisic's consistent injury worries. Do you think that obviously with with obviously these things, do you think that Chelsea will buy another winger such as Jaden Sancho, or, or do you think that? you know, we've got enough depth already. Because obviously, like you've mentioned there with, with Erling Haaland, we've got Werner, Tammy, etc. But but Chelsea, like under Frank Lampard, like we seem to be like moving different in the market because we've just like done these crazy deals and we seem to be strengthening all areas. And, you know, it, it's crazy, really. So do you think that even with the depth we've got in wing, we would go for another winger or not? Do you think the Jen Sancho deal might be dead at this point? Well, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say it's impossible. Chelsea were interested in him before. Uh, they were. They were certainly tracking him. They decided to go a different direction. I, I think maybe part of that was pragmatism. They knew that they. It, I know it didn't look like they had uh, limited money to spend last last summer, but they. You know, there were limits to what they could do. That's why they didn't pay what West Ham were demanding for Declan Rice. Um, 
and in the end, they realised that they could get Kai Havertz for, for less. They could get Hakim Ziyech for a really good price. They ended up getting Timo Werner for what looks like a pretty good value deal. Um, and now they're quite well stocked on the wing and kept Hudson-Odoi as well. Um, the thing is, if you're going to go and get Sancho, and this goes for any European club, you're not signing him for depth. You're signing him to be one of the pillars of your team for the next five to ten years for the same reason why Chelsea went and signed Havertz. You know, Sancho is one of the most coveted young players in Europe and rightly so. Um, so, so that becomes quite a difficult pitch, I think, to Chelsea's other wingers if you bring him in. You know, Pulisic's already been replaced by Sancho once at Dortmund. I don't, I don't think he'd be overjoyed to see Sancho again, um, even if they get on well personally. Hudson-Odoi likes Sancho, they're, they're, they're mates, you know, they, they've known each other for a long, long time, but it, it would be even more competition for him. Um, and of course, Ziyech is at an age where he's expecting to be playing regularly in a top team. So it's, it's, it's tricky. I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule it out um, because Chelsea are in the market always for top players and Sancho is a, is a top player that they've liked for a long time. But I do think that they probably have bigger priorities to address in the squad at this at this point in time. Chief among them being centre back, as we discussed earlier, and, and maybe a maybe a defensive mid in the next couple of years. Yeah, perfect answer there, Liam. Really appreciate that as well. And obviously, yeah, I, I do agree with you on the sense that Chelsea do have so many wingers as well, and it would just be. I feel like it'd be a case of upsetting someone or, or maybe two people, two wingers, if he did come in. So, um, yeah, personally, I don't think that will happen. But you never know, as you said, can't rule it out. So, OK, Liam, so the last thing I want to ask you about is the goalkeeper situation. Obviously, Edward Mendy has done, I can't even explain it, absolutely unbelievable since he's joined from Bren. So, do you think that Chelsea will maybe, obviously, replace Kepa? Or do you think that Chelsea will... We'll just sort of keep Edouard Mendy first choice and maybe keep Caballero. Or what do you think will happen on the goalkeeper front in the future, next sort of windows, January, summer? Well, Mendy has pretty much been the best case scenario so far, hasn't he? Um, no one outside of Petr Cech, Christoph Lolichon, and people who watched Liga knew anything about him when he arrived. But um, he's been incredibly solid, uh, incredibly calm. He's. I, I haven't seen him make too many, you know, out of this world saves, but he hasn't had to because he's been pretty well well protected. And he's just done the fundamentals, which is what Chelsea were really lacking, you know, without wanting to be unkind to Kepa, because I do really feel sorry to, for what's happened to him um, over the last sort of year and a bit. He wasn't doing the fundamentals in that team, and it was he was projecting panic onto his defenders rather than calmness. So. You've seen the difference that Mendy has made. And, and if he can maintain this level, Chelsea don't have a problem to solve with the goalkeeper. You know, they, they, they bought him for, for a very good price. He's 28, so he, he's in his prime now. And as we know, goalkeepers can, can carry on well into their 30s. So if he, if he maintains this standard, um, Chelsea don't have an, an issue there. The, the issue, of course, is only what happens with Kepa. And I, I think. I think all parties will look to explore loan opportunities for him in January. I know for a fact that Kepa's people were looking long and hard at potential loans towards the end of the last transfer window, but they eventually concluded that there weren't any realistic ones. And part of the problem is the money he's on. 
he's he's paid like a superstar goalkeeper when obviously he's not performing like one at the moment. Um, and Chelsea Chelsea don't want to just sell him at an absolute loss. So um, I think they the the likeliest outcome is he goes on loan, probably somewhere in Spain, um, and for six months, maybe even eighteen months and tries to rebuild his value. The one good thing about the length of the contract that he signed when he arrived, he was seven years, is that you could send him on loan for you know 18 months or so. And when he comes back, he's still got enough time left on that contract to, to potentially have some resale value. Um, but he, he just needs to, to go somewhere, play regularly, feel like a competent goalkeeper again, look like a competent goalkeeper again, and, and Chelsea will hope I think that, that that persuades a club to, to come and take a chance on him because it's very difficult to see his Chelsea career recovering from here, um, particularly in light of what Mendy has come in and done. Yeah, sad story really with Kepa, to be honest. Obviously, I know Chelsea fans, obviously, we like to bash him for his poor performances, but he must be feeling really bad in the background, to be honest, obviously, with what's happened and stuff. Um, so, yeah, some of it is obviously his own fault for, for not performing well, obviously. But, you know, you can always have sympathy for players, you know, even if you do get over the top sometimes like myself. So, um, yeah, anyway, Liam, thank you so much for coming on this episode. It's been um, a pleasure, honestly, to have you on. And, um, yeah, we really thank you for coming on. Would you like to say any last words at all? <laughs> um no, just a yeah, pleasure to come on and talk Chelsea and hopefully the, the rest of this season, which has been very interesting so far, um, throws up plenty more to talk about. Exactly, yeah. and we'd love to have you on again in the future, maybe as sort of as, a, as an end of season review or something. Um, um, yeah, it'd be brilliant to have you on again. And um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you everyone for listening. Also on Spotify, if you are listening, we really do appreciate that. I'll have the Spotify episode up later on tonight and obviously YouTube goes up first. So yeah, guys, thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, from me and Dubois and obviously Liam, um, yeah, we'll speak to you next time. Thank you guys.